0: Good morning. This morning we continue our series of studies in the book of Genesis. We are in chapter 1. You can join me there. Chapter 1, verse 24. We are now on the sixth day of creation. Things have been moving forward as God has created in stages all of the necessary elements for life to exist on the earth. We get to the sixth day and we find out something in our study today. And I want to start with this just as a way of an exhortation. The thing we find out in today's study is that we are made in the image of God. No other creation is made in the image of God as wonderful and as incredible as the creations of God in the plant world and the plant kingdom and the animal kingdom are, and, and the celestial heavens and from the atomic level to the the largest bodies in the celestial heavens, all of these creations are wonderful and glorious and speak of the glory of God, but nothing in all creation speaks of the glory of God in the way that you and I do. Our very being, our nature, the way we're created, and we'll talk about this today, speaks of God. And being made in the image of God means a number of things, but one of the things it means is that each of us, when we look around at each other, recognize that that person who's sitting next to you is made in the image of God. And the scriptures in the New Testament talk about the fact that we shouldn't be critical of or curse others who are also made in the image of God. So two things happen once we understand that basic fundamental truth. How we look at ourselves should greatly change. Anyone that looks at themselves and looks down on themselves or thinks less of themselves needs to remember they are made in the image of God. Amen? And the second thing is that anyone that looks down on others or treats others badly needs to be reminded that those other people, human beings, are also made in the image of God. So with that as sort of the practical exhortation, we're going to dive into the Word today. We're going to see just exactly how God created on the sixth day. So let's open in a word of prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and all that you do to draw us near to yourself. Lord, we're very grateful that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, that you actually, as God, took upon human flesh, made in the image of God, God in human flesh. Oh Lord God, we thank you for Jesus who came and died on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day and is coming again to judge the living and the dead. Lord, we put our faith in him and in you, and Lord, we worship you today, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and asking that you would speak to our hearts from your word. Give us insight and understanding into how you created all the life that we see around us, and most importantly, that we are created in your image. And We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's start by looking at verses twenty-four through twenty-five in Genesis chapter one. We read there in verse twenty-four, and God said. And remember that all of the days of creation, all of the stages of creation, took place over twenty-four day, twenty-four hour days. And and what happens here is God does that creating by speaking, by speaking into existence the very Now, we stop there just because on the sixth day, two major things happen. The first is that all of the animal kingdom is created. And then we'll see that man is created finally as the capstone or the pinnacle of God's creative genius. But before we get to that, let's briefly discuss what God just did and what we just read about. He said, let there be living creatures on the land. Now, the triune God, Elohim which is a plural word, as we'll see, when it's translated into English, the words or the pronouns us and our are employed because God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is a trinity or a triunity, and so those words are used. But the triune God spoke these creatures into existence, and he did it by producing them out of the ground, the existing materials. That is, the elements of creation were formed by God into These creatures that we see all around us. The land was filled with great varieties of animal life in addition to the birds and the marine life which had been created the previous day, on the fifth day. So the earth, the earth was created in a way that you might create a terrarium or if you have an aquarium, you know that you have to create the environment necessary for life to thrive and exist. And if the pH balance is off in the water or there aren't the right soils or plants in an environment like that, life will not thrive. Life will, in fact, cease to exist. So we see many zoos and we see areas that animals are kept or animals are, are cared for. And they have to be very careful to have just the right vegetation and environment and temperature. And God did all of that on a grand scale. He created this environment. And he created it with different environments within our world where you have colder climates and warmer climates. And all of life has been cared for in such a way that when the planet was first created, it was certainly perfect. It was good. Uh, Since then, there have been problems. And as a consequence, uh, we have species that have gone extinct and still continue to do so. Pollution, other problems, lack of conservation. uh, And we see that affects life on the Earth. And uh, it, it affects the people that live on the earth because we don't care for the planet that God gave us dominion over. But at this time, the earth was filled with all of this life and it was created specifically to support an ecosystem of plant and animal life. And it was created exactly as God intended. With fully mature animals of both sexes, notice I did not say all sexes, both sexes, They were placed on the earth, fully mature animals of both sexes. Each of these animals were divided into three categories. This comes up and continues to come up from Genesis to Revelation, that when God views the animal kingdom, he puts these animals into three categories. Now, speaking of the animals, not the birds and the marine life, which are separate. We talked about them last week. You have the livestock. Livestock are animals that are domestic. There are animals that God created to be domestic from the get-go. They were, they were not domesticated. They were created in a domestic way. Livestock, that's the word that's used. Creatures that move along the ground would include every animal that's small and non-domestic. So if you can think of a, an animal, not a bird or marine life, but an animal uh, that is small and non-domesticated, that would include all of those creatures that move along the ground, and then we're told wild animals, which would be the large non-domestic animals. So the animals that most children like, you know, giraffes and hippopotamuses and hippopotami, excuse me, and rhinoceros, All all of these animals that we are probably more familiar with are wild animals. They're not domesticated. Now, some people try to domesticate wild animals to their own peril. I've heard far too many stories of people being attacked by an animal that was apparently domesticated when, in fact, after a certain period of time, you realize it's not. However, however, I can't remember the last time I heard of a dairy cow attacking someone, unless they were very foolish and tried to harm the animal or stood behind it. Uh, there are animals, sheep, for example, and goats and, that are clearly, clearly Domestic animals, and always have been. So we see this division that God gives us, and and it's true. And it comes up over and over and over again. I'll give you one example. You get to the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, and you see the living creatures around the throne, right? And you see the faces that they have, the different faces they have. And and this comes up in, in Ezekiel as well. And you see these faces, and you have the eagle or the bird, right? And then you have one has the face of a man, and one has the face of a lion, and the other a cow, really. It's, you know, an oxen or a cow. And so you see right there, there's the division. You have that division of animals uh, broken up along those same lines. And so when God views creation, he views it segmented into these different branches. Now, Zoologists and biologists today do the same thing. They look at the genus and the species of creation, and they divide those animals along the same lines. And we further subdivide them down to species. Uh, The Bible talks about kinds, which is very similar to what we today call species. So we see that God created it that way. It didn't evolve into that. From the very beginning, God created it so. And that is a very important principle when we talk about intelligent design and creationism and biblical creation. So this is consistent also with another very important principle. We've talked about it quite a bit. It's called the principle of mature creation or creation of apparent age. You're probably most familiar with the fact that Adam and Eve were created as adults. They were not created as toddlers. Each of us, every one of us, born ever since, went through a prime stage where we were born helpless and in need of care uh, and we had to be cared for as we grew up over a long period of time and so you know most of us 15 to 20 years of growing and growing up and then you know then we can begin to care for ourselves unless you're living in your parents basement playing video games in that case maybe there are some problems but having said that we all grow up slowly But not the case with Adam and Eve. And not the case with any animal created by God in the beginning. Mature creation means that all of creation was created mature with the ability to reproduce. And that only makes sense because, after all, that age-old question of which came first, the chicken or the egg, can easily be answered, the chicken. So you see, there's a lot of confusion in scientific circles about how God created, but there shouldn't be because this idea of mature creation or creation of apparent age is very clear in the scripture. Now, there was simply no animal life on the earth until God commanded it. He created the birds and the marine life on the fifth day and then all other animal life and even human life, as we'll see, on the sixth day. And so the triune God created these living creatures. Why? That life may be established on the earth. And he's working up towards the whole purpose of all creation, which was to create man, male and female, in his own image. God's design of each animal guaranteed their ability to reproduce. Otherwise, they would have died out immediately, within a generation. Each living creature was made, again, according to its kind. We see that phrase over and over again. That means that they were programmed for reproduction through their genetic code. We now are able to observe how that works in science. All of this information is stored in the complex DNA molecule, really a computer programming language of sorts that allows creation to continue through procreation. The system allows for a wide horizontal variation within each kind or species. And that's why you'll see animals that are similar, but not exactly the same. You'll look around and see people who are similar. We're all similar in some way. And yet, I really don't think there are too many of us that look identical, unless, of course, we have twins. And we have, I think, three sets of twins in this church The last time I checked. Uh, and, you know, sometimes people look a, a lot alike. But, but, it's amazing to me the differences you will see With human genetics or even animals, I I happen to uh, enjoy, I guess it's around Thanksgiving, they they have that dog show. I think it's the American Kennel Club, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it's always on right after the parade. And I always like to watch at least some of it. And everyone has their favorite group, the hunting group, the toy group, you know, whatever your group is, uh, the working group, you know. And you look at these different dogs, and even within the group, you have this, like, little terrier come out, and then you have this giant lab come out, and you think to yourself, these these are like different animals. And yet, genetically, they're really not. They're all canines. They're all dogs. So that's what we call wide, horizontal variation. Through breeding, we change within our species. As human beings, we do, but also animals do. So we see genetic variation. That is not evolution, don't be mistaken, that is not evolution. In fact, that is something very different. That is a, a, as I said, horizontal variation. The DNA molecule never, ever produces a vertical evolution from one kind to another. It's never been observed. It's never happened. The answer from evolutionists is, well, it takes a really long time for it to happen. Oh, how, how long? Oh, you know, millions of years. Okay. Well, at some point we should have seen, you know, a chicken give birth to a goat or something, right? I mean, at some point we should have seen something odd or strange that's not mutation, because mutation is a deviation or an error in the code. But we've seen nothing like that, because it never happened, and it's a lie to think that it has. What evolutionists have observed, like Darwin and others, is that there are similarities between the kinds Well, that only makes sense. The same God created them all. And he created them with the same language. The DNA molecule uses a language. That language is is consistent throughout creation. So, yes, there are similarities, but that's only because the same God created all these different kinds, not because those kinds evolved from one to the other. That thinking, evolution, is designed to eliminate God from our conscience. It is definitely an absolutely satanic explanation for God's creation. There's no way, in my humble opinion that you can look at that scientific description and reconcile it with what the Bible teaches. So at some point, as a Christian, there are many Christians that do believe that somehow this is true, you will have to reconcile that the minute you embrace that way of thinking, you have deviated from the word of God. You have added to and taken away from the word of God, which we are warned not to do in the book of Revelation in the last chapter. You have to come to that term. You will have to distance yourself from the word of god to embrace that theory it is completely without the ability to reconcile those two two concepts creationism and evolution they cannot exist side by side so these living creatures god said were good and they are good things they were the completion of animal life itself all of it's good and god said it was good and they were blessed It says they were blessed. They were blessed by God with something called sentient life. All the animal kingdom has sentient life and the ability to reproduce. Now, the word he used, form or made, is not the word for created. It's it's not interchangeable. The word for made is Asa in Hebrew, Asa. The word for created is bara. And there are times when we're told that God created bara out of nothing, the heavens and the earth. But here, he formed the animals, and the reason he formed them is because he had created the existing materials to form them when he created the heavens and the earth, the earth being all the elements of the universe. That doesn't mean the earth as we see it now. That should be clear because there are still another five days of creation and then a day of rest after God created the heavens and the earth. It's more than just a summary of what God did over six days. It's the initial moment where he created all the existing material from which he then goes on to create all that we see around us. Now, sentient life had already been created, but this was the completion of the sentient life in the animal kingdom. He made them, it implies at least, that he made them out of the ground just as he had made mankind. We also see that they were designed by God to reproduce and increase their numbers. So again, mature creation, mature creation. Okay, now we get to the pinnacle of all creation. When we read in verse 26, the scripture tells us, and God said, and you'll notice the use of the plural pronoun here, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So we go on to read there that so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And by the way, all of those pronouns are used absolutely properly, which I can't say about a lot of people today. So, let us make man in our image and notice our likeness. Is there a difference? I believe there is. Image and likeness. Image is, is more than just the likeness. Likeness is, is, is what someone looks like. Image is, is, is much different. It's much deeper. You see, the triune God spoke man into existence, and he did it by producing him out of the ground. We know that because when we get to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we're told specifically how man was created. There are not two different or separate creation accounts in the Bible, as some would lead you to believe. This is the overview. This this is the the creation of all things. And then when we get to the next section, we look specifically in detail at the creation of mankind. But for now, it's, it's, it's an overview. So we'll go back over it, as the Bible often does. We'll look at things from a larger view and then go into the detail. But he was created out of the ground, and we know that. And there was consensus. You know what consensus means? Consensus means when everyone's on the same page. Everyone is thinking the same way about something. It's something you will never see in Washington anymore. We don't see consensus in our world. There's only polar opposite thinking. And it's very sad because consensus is several people coming together to agree to accomplish something, which then goes on to explain why our leaders accomplish very little. Because consensus is necessary for action to take place. Now, of course, there's consensus within the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's why the triune God is spoken of with those plural pronouns. Elohim is a plural word. It means at least three. In this case, it means three. Uh, He produced mankind, but he did so through consensus. Father, Son, and Spirit. And he created man. Again, the words are different. Here we're now using a different word. When he said, let us make man, but notice, he created man. Well, there's two things at work here. You have man being formed, asa, formed out of the dust of the earth, out of the existing materials that God created to continue to create. But you also have man being created. So how are both true? I think it becomes pretty clear God created man in a specific way to reflect the spiritual image of the triune God. See, God is spirit, and those that worship him worship him in spirit and in truth. So there is a spiritual image that speaks of the image of God. And we've already talked about it. It's Father, Son, and Spirit. So we're created in the image of God. So that creation takes place every time a child is conceived. There's a creation of a soul. But it's more than just that. It's a body, yes. It's a soul. It's a spirit. And it's the spirit of mankind that God creates in this way. We'll find out later in our later studies in Genesis 2 that he did that by breathing the spirit of God, the Ruach Elohim, the breath of God, into mankind. Here we're just told that he was created in God's image, the image of God. And so God created man to reflect the spiritual image of the triune God. Now, plants, created by God, plants possess a body, but animals create, are, are created and possess a body and a consciousness. They have more than plants. Plants don't have a consciousness. You can talk to your plants, but they're not listening. They listen to the stimuli in the environment. They listen to the sun. They're programmed to respond to sun. And, 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 and I have plants... In my house, we have plants in our yard that when it's warm, grow, and when it's not, don't. And I'm sure you've seen this. And when it gets cold, they drop their leaves. They are responding through stimulus. They are responding to their environment. But they, some people suggested if you talk to them, uh, they're happy and they grow better. I'm not going to get into that debate today. Uh, I'm just going to leave that alone. So... So man, just making sure you're paying attention, man possesses a body. He does. He he possesses consciousness, but he also is made in the image of God. He is spirit. And that differentiates us from all other creation. We are made in the image of God. We are spirit. And that's an important distinction between us and all other created life. The image of God is the eternal spirit which is capable of fellowship with the creator. So when we say I'm made in the image of God, it's not so much what I look like. It's my spiritual being, my nature that distinguishes me from all other creation. That is what we're talking about. This sets mankind apart from all plant and animal life. We are different. We are greater than all that's around us. We are the point of all creation. Of all creation, only man is described in this particular way. He is self determinate. He is free willed. He is a creation that has the ability to make choices. He doesn't just respond to stimulus, he makes his own will known. And that's what differentiates us, and it's because of that spirit that we have that ability. He can choose to love God and to have a special relationship with God. Or he can choose to reject God and refuse his love as well. So why did God create man with the ability to choose sin? You might say, well, that wasn't a brilliant plan. I mean, look what happened, was it? It actually was, because if God was going to have a relationship with us, that was based in true love and relationship, he had to give us free will. He had to give us the ability to choose. Now, God has the ability to choose, but he's holy and righteous and always chooses to do what's right. Because he's God, he does that. But remember, when God became man in Jesus Christ, he had the ability to choose the wrong thing and didn't, and didn't. Adam and Eve had the ability to choose the right thing and didn't they chose the wrong thing but the choice is innate within not only the godhead but also within all mankind being made in the image of god means you have a spirit and the ability to choose your own will take that away and you're nothing more than a cocker spaniel a little taller but you are just a an animal that responds to the code the instincts, and those instincts are amazing. And we sometimes view those instincts, and we think, oh, my dog, my cat makes choices. They do and they don't. They make choices responding to their instinctual programming by God. Now, some animals, like primates, apes, have a greater ability to choose within their instinctual programming. But they are not human beings, nor will they ever become human beings. We are made in the image of God. Let me hear amen. Amen. We are made in the image of God. Now, God created man also to reflect the physical likeness of the triune God. Yes, the physical likeness. So we're not only made in the image, but as it says, and the likeness of God. Those are two different things. We are created in the image and likeness of God. God said, "Let us make man in our image in our likeness." So what does that mean? Well, God created man to reflect the physical likeness, a uh, physical likeness of the triune God. Our bodies, mankind is designed specifically for divi- d- divine fellowship. We are designed to be able to have fellowship with God. What do I mean? Well, first of all, we stand upright. And there was a little controversy, I believe it was over in China, about a particular bear that was standing up on its hind legs and looked like a guy in a bear costume. And I read the article and there was all this sort of conspiracy theory that what they did in China was actually just dress a bunch of people up in bear costumes. Um, I thought that was a very funny article because that's just the way some people think, you know. But. Bears may look like they're standing up like people. Apes may sometimes choose to walk that way. But they're not really designed to do that. And it looks odd when they do. But the last time, when's the last time you saw a 40-year-old walking around on all fours? I hope you haven't seen that. So here's, here's the thing. We are designed for divine fellowship. The way we stand, our posture, the fact that we have an upward-gazing countenance upward gazing. We are designed to look up, to look out. That is how God designed us in his likeness. How about our facial expressions? We can say so much without words. Our facial expressions vary with emotional feelings. Even little children, you can, you can look at them and say, well, they're not happy. They didn't get their cookie. You can say that about some people who are a little older too. They're not happy. They didn't get their cookie. So so here's what I'm trying to make clear. We're not only made in the image of God spiritually, physically we are designed to have a relationship with God. Our brains, which fewer and fewer people are using anymore. Our brains, our tongues, they're designed for articulate speech. No other creation has that ability. Some animals, like some apes, can be taught to sign and express what they feel, in a sense, or or how they're responding to their environment. But let's be honest, no creation of God is articulate the way that mankind is, the way our brains are programmed. Our brains are far superior to any other brain in the animal kingdom. Understand that. That's because God designed you not only in his image, in his likeness. I think it's true that we're all designed by God in his likeness, And all of us given a spirit in the image of God. Not all of us respond to God in the way we should. And so many are called and few are chosen. But we're still all made in the image and the likeness of God. Mankind's body was designed to be like the body that would ultimately be assumed by Christ himself. Think about it for a minute. If God chose to come to the planet Earth, and I I do believe he did, And I believe that is when Jesus Christ was born as a child. He came into the world as a child, which we celebrate around Christmas time. He had to choose a body. And the scripture says, a body you have prepared for me, O God, from the book of Psalms. So you have that body that was prepared. It's a human body. If whales or apes were superior, well, then that would change things. But no, he came as a man. Why? That's because man is made in the image and likeness of God. And so you might think, well, I don't understand. If God has a body, physical or spiritual, like, what does he look like? Have you not read the Gospels? When Jesus came in the form of a man in human flesh, he looked exactly like God looks, only in human flesh. He acted and spoke as God You need not be confused about what God looks like. You can perceive God in human flesh through Jesus Christ. It's it's why he came as a man. Now, of course, he died and rose again. Amen? And received a resurrected body. But that resurrected body is still the image and likeness of God. Not just because Jesus is God, but because that's mankind made in that image. So all of this to say, you have been designed very well. If you've ever purchased a piece of equipment, maybe a car or a piece of electronics equipment, and it's been designed very well, because some cars are not as well designed as others, and you look at it and you think, whoever designed this knew exactly what they were doing and designed this perfectly. Whatever it is you've purchased, you know, it can be a musical instrument, and you look at it and you think, this is just designed perfectly. That pales in comparison to you. God has designed you for a relationship with him. And when you refuse or reject God's love and refuse to have a relationship with him, you are off book. You are no longer acting in according to your design. You understand what I'm saying? When you say there is no God, you're the fool. Because it's a fool who says in his heart there is no God. When you reject God's love, you do so to your own detriment because God is love. And you are designed to have a relationship with God because he loves you. Because he first loved us, we can love him, right? So understand, the purpose of mankind, by design, is to believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when a person chooses to step away from that relationship and reject Christ's love, they are no longer operating according to their design. Have you ever made a mistake? I'm sure you have. One of the mistakes you never really want to make is to put diesel in a gasoline engine. I've heard stories that some people have mistakenly done that. I don't know how. I think the nozzles are very different. I've never owned a diesel, but I can tell you right now, I don't want diesel in my gasoline engine. I do know that the reverse is also bad, but but, but understand something. My car is not designed to run on diesel. You are not designed to be independent of God. And if you try to live, it's as bad as doing that. Operating a very high-functioning design vehicle in the worst possible way. What you have done is take your fundamental design, thrown it out the window, and destroyed, and are in the process of destroying the very image and likeness of God. I want to drive that home because there are some people that look at their lives and they think, why am I here? In fact, that's one of the age-old questions. Why are we here? What's the meaning of life? There are some people that look at their lives and they think, I don't even know why I'm here, I'm depressed, I don't, I don't like my life, and you know nothing's good, I don't know why I'm here. And, and I would say to you, are you operating according to your design? Because if you are operating as God has designed you, you won't be that way. You might struggle at times, but you'll understand how you've been designed, why you were designed. And you won't try to put diesel in your engine." You won't try to take things that don't belong in your life and put them into your life. A car is an intricate machine. You are far more intricate, designed by God for a relationship with him. Take that out of the mix and you get the world in which we live. Look around, it's pretty bad. And it has been for a long time, but it's getting worse, isn't it? In our culture at least. Why is that? Because people are operating not according to their design, and when you do that, anything's possible. I mean, sinfully, anything's possible. And and I'm, I don't know that I can even dream up a sin that I'm not seeing practiced in our culture today, which is saying something, right? Because the mind is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? But God says, I know the heart. Listen, you think of the most decrepit. Now I don't encourage you to do that, especially in church. But if you think of some sin, it's being practiced. Openly and flagrantly now, why? Because we are not operating as God designed us to operate, if I can use that analogy. So I'm making this clear because I think everyone needs to realize there will be no fulfillment, there will be no peace, there will be no love, there will be no joy, there will be no life apart from God, amen? You have to understand that. That's why we say each and every person needs to be born again. Because we need a relationship with God. Not just for salvation and eternity, but to be able to operate and function in this world the way we were designed. Our bodies were designed, our minds designed, our hearts designed to have a relationship with God. You know what I find interesting? Our likeness to God, physical likeness even, is so basic that even the fall of mankind didn't destroy it. Even though mankind fell <clears throat> through sin, Adam didn't change in likeness necessarily. We know spiritually he became a sinner, and as a consequence of sin, sin brings death. And so, yes, his body began to change in terms of being, breaking down and being corrupted. And we have inherited that sin nature, which brings death, But likeness, we still look as God intended us to look, which tells us something. Our likeness to God is so basic, so fundamental to who we are, that mankind, when he sinned, didn't destroy it. Man remains a reasoning, moral, creative, and free-willed creature even to this day. But now we need to make the right choices. God created man to exercise divine authority as well. Look at what we read already, where God says, it says, God blessed, actually, I'm going to back up just even a little bit more. It says, uh, let them rule, in, in verse 26. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and all the livestock and all the creatures. So there's a dominion that God has given us over all creation, We've talked about that. It goes on in verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves along the ground. So you you see that dominion. And that's because God created man to exercise divine authority and stewardship over all created life. It goes on to say this. In verse 29, and God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, and they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and to all the birds of the air, and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Can you say very good? Very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. All of this dominion included the birds, the marine life, all the three categories of animal life. But this did not include exercising divine authority over the rest of mankind. Did you notice that? The one thing that mankind constantly pursues through wars, through conquering, through sin, is to have dominion over others. The church, since its inception, has gravitated towards this. This idea of having divine authority over the rest of mankind. Nowhere has mankind been given divine authority over itself. We are accountable to God. So when a religious system, denomination, or sect, seeks to dominate human beings, it is no longer godly. Can I... I, Get that through? Do you understand what I'm saying? We were given dominion over the earth, the plants, the animals, but not over one another because we're all accountable to God and God has dominion over us. And so when we live that way, we're, we're fulfilling our purpose, our design. When we step outside of that and seek to dominate other people groups or other nations or other individuals, we are no longer operating according to our design. We are not designed to do that. It's pretty obvious because we do a pretty lousy job of ending wars. We do a really good job, it seems, of creating them, but they are never effective in accomplishing the goal we want. There's never really a good war. There's never really an opportunity for us to to see war bring anything good, domination bring anything good into this world. So I'm against wars. I I don't want any part of any... Action that would seek to dominate another group of people because we are not designed to do so. God did not create us to do so. And so, yes, we have dominion, but not over each other. We're not designed that way. Now, the triune God created, as we've seen here, he created man that a spiritual life may be established on the earth. So, there is supposed to be spiritual life on the earth, and it's not aliens. It's us. We are spiritual life. And so a fully mature man and woman, as we've read already, were created with the ability to reproduce. As we read it, I'll read it again, verse 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. That ends the debate about gender and sexuality. As far as I'm concerned, Jesus echoed those scriptures in the New Testament. So there need not be any confusion. The world is confused because it's operating not as it has been designed to operate, but contrary to God's design. And that's what we see throughout our world today. The detailed creation of Adam and Eve is given in the next chapter, in verses 2 through 25 of chapter 2. We're not there yet. But men and women, or male and female, they were blessed by God. Notice they were blessed by God. Are you blessed? Say amen. You've been blessed by God. Adam and Eve were blessed by God. That means happiness, joy, all the things that blessing brings, everything you need. They were blessed by God. They were blessed with a spiritual life and the ability to reproduce. That's what it means, to be blessed in that way. They were commanded by God to reproduce and increase their numbers. We saw that as well, right? God blessed them and said what? Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue it. Not abuse it. Subdue it. Rule over the, all the different animal groups there that we see there. And then, then the plants were also given for food. So this is, this is God's plan. They were commanded to rule over all created life, fill the earth, reproduce, increase their numbers. And plants and trees, by the way, were given to mankind and to the animals for food. Okay, so what does this mean? Yes, man was created as a vegetarian. Some of you are saying, oh, but I thought God said it was very good. Because some of us, we like our meat, right? I'm carnivorous at heart. So, you know, but some of you don't choose to eat the good stuff. You eat vegetables. That's okay. We love you. We love you. We pray for you. You don't know what you're missing, but okay, that's fine. But we were first created to be vegetarians, as were all of the animals. We didn't stay that way, clearly, because in Genesis chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, we're told to eat meat. So you've got to look at both. Yes, we were created as vegetarians, but no, we weren't allowed to stay that way. We needed to then, in the fallen world, eat meat. That's what Genesis 9 tells us. Bird, marine life, all the categories of animal life, they were all herbivorous at first. All of them. But then something happened. Sin entered the world. Death entered the world. And then we had the first sacrifice, implied by the fact that, as we'll see, God gave skins of animals to Adam and Eve to cover their nakedness. Which means there was a sacrifice. Something had to die. And then it became the, the truth in our world that everything dies eventually. That's not the way God designed it, because it was very good in the beginning. But it didn't stay that way because of sin. We'll get to that in future studies. So naturally, I start to ask questions like, well, why do predatory animals have fangs and claws and predatory instincts if God created them all to be vegetarians? Well, remember I talked about wide horizontal variation within the species? I believe these were clearly recessive features, which later became dominant. God created them with the ability to 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 go in this direction when the time was necessary. Uh, These are the or God may have just created them like that, knowing the coming curse was on its way. I, I don't know, but mutational changes may have happened out of necessity. God designed us to be able to respond genetically in that way. That's not evolution. That's variation. It's different. But I want to encourage you that life will return to its original state during the kingdom age. Yes. I mean, have you forgotten some of the scriptures we may or may not be familiar with? In Isaiah chapter 11, in verses 6 through 9, we read this. That in those last days during the kingdom age, the wolf will live with the lamb. Never saw that happen. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. Nobody's going to take their kids and say, okay, I want you to go to the zoo, jump in that cage with that bear or that lion. Notice the cow will feed with the bear and their young will lie down together. And notice the lion will eat straw like the ox. And the infant will play near the hole of a cobra and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. And neither they will neither harm or destroy on all my holy mountain. So see so you see we're heading back in the direction of paradise restored and yes, things will return to the way they once were. But we are not there yet. So don't try to feed straw to a lion. It will eat your arm as too many people have found out the hard way. In verse 18 of Hosea chapter 2, We're told there by God, in that day I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the creatures that move along the ground. There you go, those divisions of animal life. Bow and sword in battle I will abolish from the land so that all may lie down in safety. So you see, that day is coming when things will be set right. So the kingdom age is more than just the Lord ruling and reigning. We're going to see the Garden of Eden in some ways, in some ways, restored. So we're looking forward to that. Um, I have find it hard to believe there are no hamburgers in heaven, but that's my issue, not yours. So there will be no killing, no struggle between animals. There will be no killing or struggle between animals and mankind. Listen, God ended this section by saying it this way. When the earth was created in this form, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Creation is a very good thing. The world is fallen now, but it was created very good. By the way, on the sixth day, God said it was good after he created the animals. And then after he created mankind, he said it is very good. So it's certainly a blessing, all of creation. God's perfect design for life in the universe had been completed at this time. So this precludes any interpretation which seeks to accommodate geological ages of millions and millions of years. See, these ages are themselves identified by fossils found in sedimentary rock. As Ken Ham likes to say, millions of dead things buried in rock layers scattered all over the earth. This is death, and they use the death of animals to age the earth at millions of years. The problem with that is there was no death until man sinned. So the entire geological model that's based on that way of thinking, evolutionary model, is wrong and has to be, or the word of God is wrong. I'm going to put my money on that, if you will. The fossils supposedly depict a billion-year history of the evolution of life, yet fossils represent a world full of suffering and death, and God said it was very good. This would not have been very good, but it was so these fossils are much more realistically explained in terms of the flood, which we'll get to in future studies. By the way, one little point to leave you with as I ask the worship team to come up. Spiritually speaking, Satan was still perfect in all of his ways at the end of creation week. How do I know that? Well, if I go to Ezekiel chapter 38, so I'm just trying. it was very good because Satan hadn't even fallen yet. This... It was so good spiritually, physically. Everything was just the way God intended it to be. Can you imagine? We can't even imagine a world like that. But in Ezekiel 28, sort of speaking in type or symbolism about Satan, Ezekiel writes, you were the model of perfection, in 28 verse 12, full of wisdom and beauty, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. The garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. And then it goes on to list those stones. And it says, Your setting and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, notice created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. For so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, You were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made fire come out from you and it consumed you. Oh, it goes on. But when God created the heavens and the earth, Satan hadn't fallen yet. So something happened. Maybe it was envy. Certainly it was pride. But there comes a point where Satan appears as the serpent in the garden. But that hasn't happened yet. At this point in the creation account, everything is very good. How are you doing? Are you very good? Are you operating according to God's design? Because if you will, things may not be perfect, you'll still have problems, but life can be very good, as God described it and as he intended it to be. If you give your heart to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you live for him, acknowledging that he died on the cross for your sins and rose again on the third day, to restore you to that state of being very good, if you acknowledge that by faith, life can be very good. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we know the truth of creation. Why and how you created us. Lord God, we want to live for your glory. The very image and likeness of who you are in this world. You sent Jesus to show us how we can do that. And maybe imperfectly, but we try, with the power of your Holy Spirit, to live according to that example. May you give us the power to do so. And may every heart here that is operating outside their user's manual, everyone who's who's just sort of doing their own thing and not recognizing their calling to be the image and likeness of you. May they be convicted, repent, and give their hearts to you. They They may be your testimony on this earth and spend an eternity with you. Give us the strength, Lord, the strength that we need to glorify you in these bodies. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.